Hello, and welcome to LitCast, a podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors of books in every fiction genre, including science fiction and fantasy, mystery, romance, and crime. I'm Lenny Picker, a writer for Publishers Weekly, and today I'm speaking with J. Sidney Jones, the author of The Keeper of Hands, his fourth Viennese historical mystery, which will be published in July by Severn House, the sponsor of today's podcast. Here's a brief excerpt from the novel. He steered her toward the forested section of the Crowder, taking her on a seeming nature walk, indicating a chestnut tree here, a linden there. He raised a manicured forefinger at a plover flying overhead, nodded at a delicate St. John's ward underfoot, its yellow flower warding off evil. Little good that would do his Anna, he thought. Well, they had left the paths now, and quite suddenly, he wrapped his arms around her and kissed her on the mouth. She struggled for a moment. What sort of a girl do you think I am, she said with what he knew to be feigned outrage. This sort, he said, giving her bottom a pinch. And that made her giggle. A bit of her spittle landed on his lower lip. They were well out of sight of anyone, and he hurriedly tugged off his jacket, spreading it on the ground. But she did not reciprocate. Quickly, he urged, and then he added more coaxingly, my sweet dove. Looking at her face, he realized that she had no intention of pleasing him. In fact, she was about to scream. He saw it building on her face like an infant that has just injured itself. She was not looking at him. No, her eyes were just diverted to his left. He followed the glance, and then, as her scream tore through the idyllic softness of the day, he saw it too. There, thrust under a low bit of brush, was the body of a young woman, the sort of whom he was normally attracted. Well, she was quite naked, her limbs and torso of a startling whiteness in contrast to the deep woodland greens all around. The right arm was pinned under the body, the left thrown up over the head as if in abandon. By the look of the purple bruising around her throat and the thick knot of tongue poking out of her mouth, she was also quite dead. Sidney has just read from the prologue to his latest book, which is coming out in July, as I mentioned. Uh, and the prologue, obviously, is going to lead to another murder investigation. So, Sidney, if we could start uh, by introducing you to our listeners and just talk a little bit about yourself and your own personal connection with Vienna. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks, Lenny, for having me on. It's a pleasure to talk with you folks. Uh, yeah, my connection with Vienna began um, 68, 1968, when I was a student abroad. Uh, lucky enough to fall into a great school, and uh, I pretty much stayed on there. I came back to the U.S. to finish a degree, but pretty much stayed on in Vienna then for through through the 80s, from the 70s and 80s, um, during the Cold War period. In fascinating time. Uh, I became a writer while I was in Vienna. That's what I you know I knew I needed to do. Um, wrote a lot of travel and uh, nonfiction. Wrote a nonfiction set in Vienna, Hitler in Vienna. It's about his early days as a wannabe author, I mean artist, and uh, set against the, the incredible Jewish renaissance of the time, with, you know, Freud and Mahler and Klimt and everybody, you know, Schoenberg and all. Then uh, I, it, I moved from nonfiction to fiction with some thrillers also set in January in Europe. And finally decided I wanted to use all this wonderful material of, of, of fantasyical end of the 20th century of Vienna in, in a fiction format. And came up with an, an interesting sort of group of folks. Uh, my protagonist is a man named Carl Verton. He's a, a lawyer who is also an investigator. Uh, he works together with his wife, Berta Meisner, who is a rather progressive woman for the time. Keeps her, own, keeps her name, her maiden name. And they team up with a, a real-life character, Dr. Hans Gross, who is sort of called the father of criminology. And together, the three of them investigate uh, crimes uh, generally uh, beginning with some 
real actual luminary of the time. The first book in the series was Empty Mirror, which the artist Klimt was accused of being a serial murderer. The second, Requiem in Vienna, featured uh, Gustav Mahler. Someone's trying to get rid of this great composer and director of the court opera. And the third was uh, The Silence, and it featured the young and future philosopher Wittgenstein, among others. And uh, this, this one, The Keeper, deals with literary Vienna a lot and with espionage in Vienna at the time, turn of the, of the century. So it was real fun to, 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 to write one, a mystery that really morphs into a thriller. You referred to the historical characters you've used in your novels so far. Could you talk a little bit about your approach to using historical figures? And one of the ones in this latest book, The Keeper of Hands, is uh, Franz Ferdinand. And so maybe you could talk specifically about the choices you made with respect to depicting that character and your relationship with the historical record. Right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, any any historical novelist is going to have a, a bit of trepidation, you know, taking on real people and and diminishing them by you know a, a sort of a, a thumbnail sketch. So, so I try to stay as close as I can to the historical record with my with my characters. And uh, for example, with the Mahler book, I really really was using a day by day diary to know if he really were in, in, a, in a spot that I had him in. You know, those those sorts of, of concerns uh, regarding Franz Ferdinand. I'm really writing against the historical record here with him, which is it's fun. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at him less of a sort of a Colonel Blimp character than as a uh, than as more of a, of a person who's sort of matured. And, and he was known for his his huge hunting fits and thousands and thousands of birds killed at a time and bellicose and all of this. And that was him as a younger person. And he had this an interesting marriage, an morganatic marriage. It was forced to be with a woman who was not quite royal enough for him. And it softened him, I believe. And, and I'm using him as a very sympathetic character. He recurs through several of the books and uh, hires Verton and uh, Gross at several different times, and also Verton's wife, to, do, to handle investigations for him. Well, so interestingly enough, I mean, he, I'm not sure that all historians are going to agree with my take on him, but I sort of rather like the Franz Ferdinand I'm, I'm creating with him. And you referred to one of your nonfiction books talking about uh, a younger Hitler in Vienna. Um, are there historical characters like Hitler or like Trotsky or Stalin, who I understand were also in Vienna around this time, who you would not incorporate into one of your books? Well, I, I actually mentioned the name Freud once in, <laughs> with the empty mirror, I believe it was. Yeah, the empty mirror. And he was out of town and Durbin couldn't talk to him regarding some incident. Uh, and so I'm steering away from him because he's just so used. He's, he's, it's, it's hard to do anything fresh with him. I think I will probably later on use uh, Mr. Hitler and Trotsky and Stalin. But Stalin was there for a very brief point in 1913. Trotsky was there longer, and, and, and Hitler, of course, was there for about six years. So uh, at some point, whether he would be a focus character or not, I think he would, might be an interesting walk-on. I'm, I'm at that point of sort of feeling free with the, with the historical record to be able to use these folks in a way. And I'll betray my ignorance. Uh, any documentation that those three ever met? At least at that time? No, no documentation that I could ever come up with. And now you better believe, Lenny, I was looking for it when I wrote my Hitler and Vienna book, because that would have been a wonderful thing. The, the nexus would have been the Cafe Central, but Hitler at that point, didn't, he never had enough money to go into a cafe to buy him. He was really down and out. He was 
living in a homeless shelter, and there was a, a year, a year and a half of his life that's untraceable. I just, I couldn't find. He was on the streets, you know, for for a period of time. So, I doubt that they would have ever really run in the same kind of crowd. This current book is set in 1901. Could you talk a little bit about how Viennese society and politics and um, I'm feel like I'm going to mangle the name of your lead. It's pronounced Vertain. Vertain, yeah, Vertain. Vertain. How it would have differed if it were five years before or five years after? Yeah, you know, this whole, the, the, the period really from the mid-90s up until the First World War, there is much of a muchness and sameness for that period. There are some differences in the political sphere, no. Um, it may be becoming more radical. I mean, radicalized, not the right word. I mean, right wing radicalized. Uh, the election of the mayor Lueger in 97, well, he was elected several times, but the, the emperor wouldn't allow him in because he was such a demagogue. But finally, on the third vote, he, he was brought in as a mayor in 97. And so he, he instituted a sort of form of, of, um, Urban, for a better, urban socialism in a funny way of cradle to grave kind of stuff to to placate the lower middle classes who he was really trying to get into his fold. He was uh, he was the guy who said ich bin very Judist. He was very anti-Semitic on one side, but then this phrase means I'll determine who's a Jew. And once he was in office, then he you know brought in intellectuals and people who could help him achieve his his goals. But still, he he started demagoguery. So on that one front. Yes, the, this time of 1901, you know, he was four years into his reign, and already, as I've investigated in earlier books, anti-Semitism was a very, very powerful and potent and poisonous force in, in the empire. Uh, it, it, culturally, also, there was, a, there was a bit of change, you know, from the the, the, uh, the Jugendstil, the, the, uh, the artist that we, you know, we think of as Klimt with the kiss and all that, this wonderful stuff. Um, it was... It was beginning, you know, they were they had become, I think, gotten to their apex by that point, and then you were slowly turning to people like Sheila and Kokoschka, who were more expressionistic. Uh, so there was that change, you know, it's also from the from the Brahms Mahler to the, the Schoenberg. He was started in, in this period in, in the early 1900s as well. So culturally and politically, yeah, there were there were vast shifts going on. Um, the society. It seemed, you know, the Viennese society, the, the chicken and the pot every Sunday, and it stayed pretty much the same. It was, it was pretty conservative, pretty stayed. Um, and so it's fun to play off of that, right? It's to, to look at those, that kind of social dynamics, you know, if you will, and, and, and to try to bring that into a fictional work at the same time. So you referred to Viennese uh, anti-Semitism, and I understand the fifth book in the series is actually going to involve uh, a blood libel against Viennese Jews. Yeah. How do you guard against, perhaps isn't the right term, but yeah. how do you try not to foreshadow or, you know, sort of evidence the fact that you know where all this is going to end up, you know, 35, 38 years later? Yeah, it, it, right. It's sort of writing with a sort of a, a guidebook in your hand and also with the history book in your hand. It's, it's a difficult one. Well, it's a very good question. Um, I... I, I Basically, by trying to really, really ground and cement myself in that time period, uh, every day, you know, when I begin work, I'm, I'm, I'm always reviewing. I go online and review photos of the time, have music of the time. I, I you know, reread sections of, of history of that time just to, just to try to stay away from all that sort of, you know, 
yeah, it's almost teleological, right? I mean, that it's going to be that way. So I, 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 I guard against it, but Lord knows, I'm sure it'll creep in there. Um, but that's the challenge, and that's the sort of fun of this as well. And, and it's also the, the, the educative value of it, that, that you, know, you, you don't want to direct it. You want to let people oh, suss it out for themselves. Have the books been translated into German? Yeah, they were. The first two were in German. They've also been translated all into, well, Portuguese and, and many, many of the languages of the former Habsburg Empire. So from, from you know, from Croatian to, to Serbian to, uh, I think there's even, uh, anyway, so several of the, you know, the, the, the sort of the Balkan area, what we would consider, have, have also brought it out. Uh, not, it was an interesting reaction to the, to the, to the, the first one. Um, I got headlines in Vienna. Wow, that was great! I had my 15 seconds of fame. As you know, uh, I was called a scandal author <laughs> by, by sort of a tabloid. You know, it was a, a scandal author for accusing Klimt of being a serial murderer. I mean, you know, it was confusing fiction with real life. I don't know. <laughs> the person had some problems. Um, so the, the first two were translated, uh, and I guess not too successfully because they haven't picked up since then. So. And to your knowledge, are there any Austrian writers, or I guess uh, living or, or no longer living, who've written historical mysteries set in this period? You know, I, I stumbled across somebody the other day that seemed to be doing a, a sort of, I can't remember, you know, this is going to be sort of off the wall because I can't remember the person. It was a bit different time period, but he, you know, he started writing about uh, one or two years ago with some mysteries that were sort of set in this time period. Uh, the British author, there's a British author who had also sort of written in this time period for a while. But uh, yeah, the, the Viennese, um, not especially, I think it was a German author that was writing about Vienna. And as you research the period, uh, what was the one thing or, or, or two things that surprised you the most based on your knowledge of Vienna from living there, based on your sort of general historical knowledge? When you plunged into the series, was there something that you really didn't expect? That's a good question. Uh, I guess I didn't. I mean, I'd researched things so, so thoroughly. I mean, from, you know, for the last 30 years I've been involved with this from because Hitler and Vienna was first published in, in, in 78 in German. So I've, I've been doing it for a while. Um, the, but we're coming back to it. It was, I think the strongest thing was the, the over, well, the amount of anti-Semitism that was at every level of society. Whether it's just daily jokes, uh, in the in the cartoons of the of, of the tabloids, um, pretty virulent stuff, and I'd known that. I mean, I knew it on one level, I guess, as a younger man. But being away from it for a bit, and then coming back to it and seeing how on every level of society it was such a such a profound and, and crazy, uh, you know, what, what would we call it? <laughs> Emotion, hatred. It was just a bizarre thing. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the challenges of having a detective in 1901 Vienna. In other words, what the state of criminology was like, what were the things that were new that could be done, what were the things that we take for granted that they really couldn't rely upon. Yeah, well, that's the, the joy, that's the fun of Gross, because as he, truly this man, I get at readings I have, you know, forensics people coming because they want to know about Gross, and I mean, they probably know more about him than I, but I have researched him a lot, and his criminology handbooks are, are intriguing because they take you back into the time, what was and what wasn't known. For example, I mean, with the first book, with the Klimt one, 
uh, looking at blood spatter, they didn't know if it was an animal or human at that point. And then it took another few years to be able to detect that, and then they, they couldn't identify it to type, the blood type. So those, those were gone. Fingerprinting was a brand new thing, and Gross was a great champion of it. But again, there were no very few records around for that. He also, Gross, was also his champion of crime scene forensics, where photographing the scene and getting it in set. So there's all of this that's incredibly, you know, I, I guess would be, you know, new at the time, and we take it all for granted now. I mean, there's, you know, so it's there's a lot of really fun stuff that way to play with. And there's the sort of cliche or the, or the, the dictum that history is written by the victors. As, as someone who's done so much history and is trying to portray historical figures, what steps do you take to try to get as balanced and as accurate a view as you can of figures like Gross? Yeah, like Gross and like the everyday folk. And, I, and those I delight in, in picturing because living in Vienna for almost two decades, I, I was familiar. And, and it's, it was fascinating. The time I was living, it seemed to be a time warp. I mean, people's attitudes and had changed very little, the folksiness of the folk people. So I feel like I can draw the ordinary person pretty well from that time as well. So I delight in doing characters you never would meet in history, from cabbies to cleaning to the, to the cook that, Veriton, that works for Veriton and giving their backstories. Um, that is, you know, a major desire of mine is to paint both sides of it, the under, you know, the, the, the side, the people who are never written about in history. So that's the, the joy of the series as well for me. And uh, I referred earlier, you have a fifth book that's already in process, is that correct? Yeah, it's about half done, right. It features my, my major historical, because every book does have a, a, a real historical person in it, uh, this one actually has the, Brit the, the Irish author Bram Stoker in it, and who's in Vienna doing it on a speaking tour. And uh, he ends up with, with Veriton in, in Steiermark, Syria, which is a southern province where, where, where my character once worked and where Gross is from. And they're investigating this series of really horrific murders, and that there has been talk not only of Jewish blood libel, but of vampire murders again, because this area was, what was in, this, in the 18th century, was rife with vampire rumors. And in fact, the Empress Maria Theresa had the, the vampire police there looking to make sure that there really wasn't such a thing as this going on. Uh, so there's, there's, there's Stoker, there's, 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 there's blood libel, which is, a, is, is an, to, to investigate that is, is a, is a difficult task, uh, and the, it's one of these intriguing things where there's many such, many plots that come together, including a scandal with the lipids on our horses and the breeding with this. So uh, yeah, it's a, another one that's more outside of Vienna, however, than the others have been. Well, it sounds like you're lucky that during this time period, there's so much rich material to. Uh, draw from. Uh, Sydney, thank you for your time today. Again, The Keeper of Hands is coming out in July from Severn House. Look for it then and the following volumes in this uh, wonderful historical series. That's Lipcast for now. Thanks for listening and check out PW's other podcasts at publishersweekly.com.